Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text is from the first chapter of James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its work in you, that you may be complete and whole, lacking nothing. Please be seated. Well, it's a day for James, and I, as a Luther scholar, get to preach on James. I love it. One would think that this message should be about James, but in reality, we really should not have any messages about James. It's much more important to talk about the one who is esteemed to be the brother of the Lord. It's much more important to talk about the Lord than his brother. There are just a few snippets of Scripture on James. I think our hymn actually probably makes more of James than there is of James, even in Scripture. And then, of course, it's impossible to be 100% certain that it all points it's the same James, so it gets rather difficult. In reading from the book of James, we find to use Camerer's formulation of what should be in a sermon. We find the goal and the malady, but there is not a means in this passage. It is a passage for the mature, already believing, perhaps already ministering person. So it fits well for a seminary chapel setting. Let us presuppose that all of us are believers. That person understands the issues of their own sin and the remedy of the cross of Christ. And to do what Rosso so advocates when we find that there is not the means, we shall import it. These are the implicit backdrop to the text of James. In other words, it is through Jesus Christ and him crucified that we are in fact saved and empowered to rejoice. This text, therefore, is good for people who are studying to be pastors, studying to be deaconesses, and also for graduate students who are serious Christians. The reason it's so applicable to us here at the seminary is we are all under temptation. I think in some ways the seminary community presents more severe temptations than other places. And certainly the attack of Satan is obvious. It seems that when we are lay people, maybe in congregational leadership, the devil assigns to us a sergeant with all the people under him. And then at the seminary, we probably end up with something like a lieutenant, somebody a little bit higher. And then when we get into the parish, he has a captain for us with all of his troops. I observed that as soon as I got my call, it just seemed Satan's attacks got worse. 
But you know, James gives us a way to look at that and to say, this is not the defeat. This is, in fact, the victory. And we receive this kind of information also from the book of Acts, and we also receive it from St. Paul when he speaks to us in 2 Corinthians. Yes, we can look at things from the immediate, I'm suffering and this is horrible issue, which is true. Or we can also look at things as the apostles did and say, indeed, I rejoice because God has found me worthy to go through trials. So we don't rejoice in the trial like some kind of masochist. We rejoice in the fact that God has seen that we can be tested in such a way. We need to be about knowing that we are in fact sinners in need of a gracious God. And seeing our enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh, as tangible and real enemies, even here at the seminary. I think sometimes it's very easy to theorize about sin. Oh, I theoretically commit adultery. Oh, I theoretically get angry and have rage. Or I theoretically have other problems. But in reality, we are, in fact, sinners. People actually do commit sins. And it is not just what arises from the inside, which is vitally important, but also the external that needs to be confessed and forgiven. We are simul justus et peccator, not in a theoretical sense, but actually. How then do we deal with such temptation and find the joy James speaks of? Well, a clue comes in our confession of sins. One of the wordings is this. We flee for refuge to thine infinite mercy, seeking and imploring thy grace for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. I am a vacancy pastor quite often, and being a vacancy pastor, I get to teach the Ten Commandments in catechism a lot because we never seem to get to a point where I'm at a place long enough to teach anything else. One of the issues is that we talk about these Ten Commandments, and I get them on the first day to understand that the commandments do not provide any comfort. And after each commandment, I have them say, that the answer is, we flee for refuge to thine infinite mercy, seeking and imploring thy grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. The commandments are the law. They stand against us. 
Christ then transforms our trials, our weaknesses, our bondages, our difficulties. He transforms them into victories through his work at the cross. Here we may not see the ultimate joy and peace, the final resolution to our problems and difficulties. We live in the now, but also in the not yet. We live in Christ here, but we do not see what is behind the veil that will be lifted in time to come, except by the eyes of faith. But here, by faith, we can rejoice in what the blood of Jesus has done for us. We can know that those sins are forgiven. We can rejoice, and we do rejoice in the power of the Son of God to rise from the dead as a first fruit of the kingdom, giving us the right, the privilege, the deposit of the kingdom to come. We rejoice in our status as brothers and sisters of Christ, not biologically, as James apparently was, maybe or maybe not, but in the kingdom of God, a much more important standing. And we don't see the final fulfillment of this walk and life at the seminary. This is a struggle. This is a place for struggling with theology and struggling with the kingdom. But there is also victory. Victory of the saints through the cross. Victory through what Christ has done for us. And a knowledge that those who God chooses to test are in fact ready for the trials he puts them through. In this, the apostles rejoiced in Acts. In this, Paul rejoiced in his trial and thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians. In this, we can also rejoice, knowing that we are Christ's children, given this power of the cross and the blood and the constancy of our loving Savior and Lord in our lives. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.